I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello and welcome to the Next Move Group, We Are Jobs podcast. I'm your host, CEO Chuck Sexton. Uh, we, before we get to our guests today, I would like to uh, make sure everyone out there is aware of the executive uh-huh. services we have going on right now. Uh, we have one in Montgomery, Kansas. Uh, we have Beeville, Texas, the chamber position. Uh, and we also have Florida West, which launched just last week. Uh, we also have another Florida position coming up and a couple of others. So if you are interested in any of these positions, please reach out to alex at nextmovegroup.com. You can find those also on our website, www.nextmovegroup.com. Go to the executive searches section. Uh, You can also reach out to Ivy, ivy at nextmovegroup.com. Today, I am coming to you from the SEDC Meet the Consultants event in Atlanta. It's a great event. Uh, uh, Hopefully, you are here. But if you are not, I want to brag big time on SEDC. They put together a phenomenal event. A lot of consultants are here, uh, not just site consultants. You've got a lot of great engineering firms who are also uh, on the panels. And so I think it's going to be a great event. Dave Gaines has decided to join me this morning. However, as we, uh, via Zoom, he wasn't able to to get down here to Atlanta. He's a very busy guy. Uh, We got to meet a couple of weeks ago in Myrtle Beach at the Live Exchange. David is the uh, owner uh, and uh, president of Goldstone Consulting Group. Thank you for joining me today, David. I appreciate it. Well, good morning, Chuck. Great to be with you again, even though it is uh, virtual and in the distance. <laughs> is it raining where you are in Missouri? Well, we had uh, a, a good thunderstorm early this morning that woke me up. I think we had plenty of hail, but the sun is shining, the sky is bright, and it's a perfect Chamber of Commerce weather today, that's for sure. <laughs> well, they, there was a lot of flight delays coming into Atlanta for folks yesterday. Yeah. I, I was. I bet it was. Question whether or not I should drive down, and I, I'm glad I did now because of all this play. So, well, look, I appreciate you joining me on here, and you know, David and I got to have a a, a nice chat while we were at uh, Myrtle Beach at the Live Exchange event with Business Facilities, and I really wanted uh, you to be able to join me on the podcast because I think you have a lot of great insight. You've you've had an awesome career, and so 
uh, as we go through this, you know, feel free to to throw in anything. You can ask me questions if you want to, but this is more of a a, a chance for me to uh, allow our audience to get to know you better. And so uh, if you don't mind, why don't you kick it off with a little bit of your background, uh, how you got into consulting. So you've been in economic development for a long time. Maybe give us an overview of your career. Well, um, I guess going way back, it's always been something related to sales and marketing. Um, we've, we've owned a couple of companies over the years. Uh, some were terrific successes and like entrepreneurs, others, uh, you almost lose the house over. <laughs> my wife doesn't like to remember that, but, um, uh, found economic development about, uh, 17, 18 years ago now. Um, again, thanks to, thanks to my wife, uh, I was working in radio and just absolutely having a ball being the play-by-play guy for our, our, uh, son's high school sports teams. So I got to follow those guys all the way. Uh, to the state championship one year and be the broadcaster and and uh, um, the local economic development uh, position in Montgomery City, Missouri came open and decided to have a conversation with that group and and I guess the rest is history. Yeah, you uh, you were there for quite a while doing economic development and you you mentioned to me uh, you ended up in a in a site consultants uh, memoirs I guess you could say Mark Williams um, can you. Can you give a, a? Can you tell that story? Is that okay to tell on the podcast? Well, I, I guess we should get uh, Mr. Williams' permission for uh, any uh, uh, copyright infringement. But yeah, he was uh, uh, the first consultant that I ever had the privilege of meeting uh, and working with. And uh, on the day he came for his first uh, site visit in the community, um, the airline lost his luggage. So needless to say, that was not a very good start uh, for trying to impress somebody that this was a place to uh, invest a quarter of a billion dollars of your client's money. Um, but we were able to find it. Uh, I convinced the, the gentleman on the uh, airline customer service uh, phone line that this was a matter of utmost urgency, and that we would send a guy in FedEx over from FedEx over to pick up the luggage and de- deliver it directly to the hotel. Unfortunately, that guy from FedEx was my brother. Um, <laughs> and I, th- I still think I owe him $20 from the tip that he gave to Maitre D' to make sure the luggage got to the to the hotel. So by the time he returned to his hotel at the end of the day, uh, his luggage was there. And, and so I guess that was a sign that we could get things done uh, from a small uh, rural economic development agency standpoint. Needless to say, we didn't win the project. Uh, the company shelved the project, and I think it was a decade later before it came back and and it ended in Oklahoma. Uh, so, but uh, I always like to think that that was probably uh, one of my best uh, economic development moves uh, to gain favor with a consultant on the other side was to find that lost luggage. Well, I mean, it happens more often than we'd like, and I would imagine there's some compounded interest on that $20 tip you owe your brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully he's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great, and I, I think it's a good lesson for economic developers out there to um, to go above and beyond, and, and you know, having someone like you as a mentor to talk about those stories and, and ways that you've impressed consultants in the past and, and being able to really show that that high level of service, you know, because you never know what might make a consultant uh, really trigger in their mind that, hey, 
you know, we can make this place work because they're going to take care of my client long term. And I think that's a really great lesson for for economic developers out there. Well, um, we you know, local economic developers need to be problem solvers for their businesses uh, and, and folks in their community. If they have an issue, they need to try to think through it and work through it to the benefit of, of that business. And, and that was just uh, um, what was taking place. So you, you could see that he was not very um, happy with the way the day was going and had a problem. And I figured if I could solve it, then then I would get his attention. And, and it worked. I mean, we went all the way through uh, to the final stages of, of uh, evaluation by the company and, and their engineers and whatnot. But uh, for whatever reason, the company decided not to do the project. And, and that was, I think, primarily due to uh, the economy, because this was back in 2000, the spring of 2008. Um, I started in December of 2007. So I picked the best time to become an economic developer. <laughs> well, that was a rough time. I mean, I got my start in economic development around that time as well. Uh, not too long after that, there was, it was a few years later and then the fallout from that, you're right. I mean, that's just, uh, that's a rough time. How long did you stay uh, as a local economic developer before you got into consulting? Well, um, after about two and a half years in, in Montgomery City, um, I ended up in a town in middle Missouri called Moberly, where we still live and, and, uh, I'd like to say this is the global headquarters for Goldstone Consulting Group, but uh, spent about five years with that group, five and a half years or so as as the guy that ran all over North America and, and Europe uh, doing business attraction and, and business retention uh, for the community. Had some successes with the team. Uh, Corey Mahaffey uh, was, was our lead guy there and ended up doing a great job over in Hannibal for a number of years. Uh, and now is in private industry as well, but um, decided um, that uh, as we talked to companies and decision makers and, and built those relationships, it became a, uh, a thing in my own head that I wanted to be an entrepreneur again. And uh, um, I, I kept running up against the wall of folks wanting to do business with us, but for whatever reason, our region uh, wasn't perfect for that particular company. Um, and so we decided to uh, take a leap and, and uh, I guess it's been seven years now. We're starting our eighth year and start all over from scratch. Yeah. Well, I, on, in that same vein, what excites you the most uh, from the consulting standpoint of things? What's, what are the things that you like to work on the most and where your biggest passion lies? Well, I, um, we like to tell people from an industry standpoint, um, we... Um, are really good, or we like to think we're really good in manufacturing, and that covers the whole spectrum from food to uh, anything where you're taking uh, two pieces of something and putting it together and making a third. And then the transportation element of it, how you get it from uh, where you made it to uh, where your customer is. But the, the thing that I enjoy the most is that every day is different. You get to, to learn a lot about a uh, different companies and their industries and try to solve some of the challenges that they have. Yeah. Do you do uh, work with um, any communities or are there communities in Missouri in particular that you, you work with on a regular basis? Well, we actually do. Um, we've done some work in, in communities in terms of helping them um, facilitate the discussion around housing. You know, that's a big topic uh, and I've, I've said it in multiple platforms that if local economic developers are not working on housing, they're missing an issue uh, to help 
their business retention game because um, where is the the new school teacher that you're recruiting going to live in your community or the superintendent or whoever it is in whatever industry. Um, so we've done a lot of work around housing and the needs analysis in communities. In fact, uh, uh, we're working on a new project for a developer in, in Fort Scott, Kansas, where we had done um, the housing study uh, third quarter of last year, I believe it was. And, and as a result, the developers called and asked for some additional information uh, for some projects that they're looking at in their downtown area. So um, we're doing those kinds of things. We're still talking about retail because uh, the local consumer needs to uh, feels the need to shop locally um, and helping communities in that way. And then, of course, uh, workforce is always an issue. What what do you have and what are you good at and and how can you expand upon that? Well, you were on the on the panel for workforce at Live Exchange, and you know I, I didn't get to be in there, but for just a, a minute because I had to run to a meeting, but. I'm curious, do you feel that the housing issues are a direct impact on on the workforce issues right now? It It is. It is, especially if you're looking at uh, needing to recruit new talent to your community. Um, and, and, it, and, and this is the same, I, I think, in large cities, because we've done some work in the Cleveland metropolitan area, Cleveland, Ohio, as it is in, in small towns like Moberly and Fort Scott, Kansas and, and Houston, Missouri. Um, those those are issues. You know, where, where are the folks living? Um, for example, in our family, uh, we had seven children, or we have seven children. And as they grow up, grow up and have grown out into the community, uh, at one point in time, you only needed one house. Now you need eight. Um, and so where, where are they going? Um, is there a, a house that's uh, suitable f that the spouse uh, is going to uh, give the approval for? Um, that kind of thing. So, and across all spectrums of price ranges as well, you know, the high-end uh, homes for for your upper-end executive, all the way down to the starter home for that young couple that's it's starting uh, starting out in, in their life. Where do you think the right price point is today for starter homes? Oh, gee, that's a that's the million dollar question. Um, and, and it varies, it varies, you know, from community to community. Um, we've done a lot of work in small and rural communities and um, we're doing work in, in major metros as well. So it just, that that's a really hard number um, to, to come up with because it's, it's so different uh, based on the local economy, but mm -hmm. um, local economic developers need to, to, put that question in their mind and then and then go after that data to try to figure out uh, what's that price point. Um, we're finding that there's usually two uh, price points that housing needs to be worked at on, and some of that is in the upper uh, income levels uh, so that folks who have those abilities can move up or you can attract that folks, or in that um, uh, middle range where you've had folks who have had the 80, 90,000 dollar starter home uh, for them that want to move up to the next home with the bigger yard, uh, mm. more bathrooms, more house uh, bedrooms, that kind of thing. So um, it, it varies certainly from community to community on the price point. You know, it's interesting. I uh, My first home and speaking of sitting here talking about starter homes was in a cookie cutter subdivision, patio homes. And, you know, it was, uh, it was a three bedroom, two bath, and it was $97,000 and had a, had a one car garage. 
I'm just not sure that you could even build that uh, for that price these days. And I'm wondering, you know, is is based on the economy and the market and some of these towns, is that still a price point that people should strive for? And is there a solution to get there? Have you seen any solutions out there for developers to maybe get to a price point around that range where it's a decent, decent home? Well, um, we're, we're seeing that, um, uh, like, for example, in our community, there's, there's some developers that are doing uh, infill housing uh, where the city of Moberly is, um, has invested in, uh, removing dilapidated residential structures that are no longer um, suitable for living by anybody, uh, really. Uh, and developers are, are beginning to take those lots and come back in. And so a home that used to have a basement now has a foundation. A home that might have had uh, two cars, uh, a two-car garage might have a one-car garage or a carport or, or something of that nature. Uh, a home that might have been two stories, um, you know, back in the early 1900s when it was constructed will be a one-story house uh, to try to save on, on some of those costs and keep those price points uh, in an affordable range. I've heard some folks talking about, you know, trying to develop a, a modular housing system. Have you heard anything uh, in that realm from, from a development standpoint? Well, I can tell you way back in the... Uh, Late 1980s, <laughs> we ran a, a landscape company. That was one of our first uh, entrepreneur ventures. And we did some work for uh, a developer at that time that uh, his homes were certainly modular. They were coming in in open top semis and um, they would use a crane and lift the wall panel out and bolt it to the, to the foundation. And they could have the, uh, a two-story three bedroom, one and a half bathroom house constructed like that, uh, completely enclosed in two days. Oh, wow. Uh, and so, because everything was built in the factory, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, they were still using the same uh, construction method. They were just doing it in, on a factory floor. So you could work in the rain, you could work in the snow uh, and then take it out to the job site and, and uh, assemble it, uh, you know, one wall panel at a time. And it was kind of fascinating to stand there and watch these guys um, put this together because they were certainly uh, uh, a great group of craftsmen uh, doing work that that uh, uh, I wouldn't do because or I can't do because I can't draw a straight line with a ruler. So <laughs> those guys, it was it was really fascinating to watch those guys work. Yeah, it's funny. My, my I used to uh, do a little carpentry work with my dad, and um, I would always have to use the tape measure to to mark a two by four or whatever. But uh, the thing that he always told me, and if I didn't do it, I got smacked on the back of the head. It's measure twice and cut once. Measure twice, yeah. And cut once. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot either. to learn. A lot to learn. A lot to learn from those old guys. And and uh, uh, I think uh, both my father and I learned uh, don't let him around power tools because it could be bad. <laughs> I learned my lesson. My, one day, my granddaddy cut, almost cut two of his fingers off in his uh, wood shop. So I yeah. thought, you know what? I don't know if I want to really do much of that type of work. I don't want to lose a, a hand or something. So because as clumsy as I am, I probably would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Besides housing and workforce, what other issues do you think economic developers really need to hone in on right now for, you know, really well, focus we, on the rest of this year? Yeah, we're seeing from conversations with our clients is is long term workforce development. Um, you know, the, the big conversation I think that most folks are have are talking about retraining existing um, 
uh, workforce or or um, folks re-entering the workforce from maybe uh, um, the correctional system or something of like that to to train them to be ready today. Um, but these companies uh, that uh, economic developers are looking at recruiting or even um, their local companies that are expanding are making investments that are going to be there for for a generation or two, you know, 25, 30, 40, 50 year investments. And so they're looking down the line at what um, is going to be in the workforce 10, 15, 20 years from now. So um, to have those conversations with your school district uh, administrative staff and, and getting into the elementary schools to start talking about uh, skill development, um, I think will be crucial for a community in the future. Are you seeing many communities start to, to implement some of those practices? And have you seen yes. those practices yes. out there? Yes. Um, uh, I, I've, I found, you know, having done quite a few uh, in our industry, we call them FAM tours, uh, familiarization tours of communities. Some of the uh, communities that I find that are, are very successful uh, in both expanding their existing business and, and recruiting new business have their education partners at the table. Um, in, in many cases, their uh, superintendent um, or their vocational uh, school leader um, from administration is on the board of directors of the economic development organization. They're in the room every day talking about uh, and listening to what the challenges are for the employers from a workforce standpoint. And, and I would encourage that uh, if local EDOs do not have those partnerships that they need to work on that starting tomorrow, um, it's that important. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that's, I think that's good advice too. And, um, you know, looking at sort of, and I guess you can call it prognosticated prognostication. I couldn't get that word out. Uh, looking at the rest of 23, I always like to ask other consultants. It's like, what do you see happening the rest of this year based on the market and the economy? Uh, you know, the, the potential issues with the petrodollar, um, uh, the purchase purchasing managers index. We put out a white paper this month where that has dipped below 50. Uh, which, you know, that's getting close to COVID levels uh, from a purchasing standpoint in the manufacturing sector. Do you think there's going to be a slowdown in projects? Do you think it's going to remain steady? Uh, what, what are you thinking for the rest of this year? Well, if um, if I had the crystal ball, I'd, I'd probably lease it out to, to, uh, <laughs> to folks <laughs> as a revenue generator. But um, one of the things that, you know, we, we do is, is we listen and, and um, seek out um, information from economists and uh, live exchange had a gentleman speak um, and I think you were in the room that morning um, and I can't uh, forgive me I can't recall his name but um, he had an excellent point of view that I, I've heard from other uh, economists uh, about future potential for recession however um, every time I hear that, you, you see the new job creation numbers come out, um, and that tends to kind of contradict um, uh, recession. You see um, sales dollars or, or sales um, uh, dollar or sales revenue information come out, and that seems to uh, contradict reduction of uh, consumer demand. Uh, last week, we had the great fortune of being in Washington, D.C. all week, uh, meeting with um, companies 
through Select USA, um, and and I highly recommend that uh, every economic development organization that's interested in foreign direct investment uh, make the time to attend that event. But we had a chance to talk to uh, quite a few companies from all over the world, from um, South America, from uh, Europe, from uh, from um, Asia that are all interested in making new investments in the United States. So from that aspect, um, I think there's still people who are are um, looking at the United States and, and North America as a whole, Canada and Mexico with a strong uh, eye towards uh, being successful. But then um, uh, you get all the, the other information, you know, hopefully, uh, Congress uh, in the next uh, several days will be able to do something about the debt ceiling without uh, making it such a, a bloody fight. So, <laughs> good, we, we good luck. Just, yeah, yeah. We just have to kind of sit and 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 uh, you know watch uh, for for that. So, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know if that's a really clear answer to the question, but um, we're, we we consistently are getting mixed signals. But at at the same time, our philosophy has always been just mash on the accelerator, do what you do very well, and keep working at it. And uh, uh, those companies that are doing that are going to. Uh, get through a recession with no issues and and those companies that are not doing that are not paying attention to what they do well are probably going to have issues during tough economic times yeah I, I i would say that's probably correct and 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 it's really interesting right now the sort of the the time we're living in because it, it almost feels like there's a a potential for an 08 type thing to happen maybe early next year and and it was Dr. Basu I believe was was that uh, gentleman's name that was the uh, opening keynote at Live Exchange and um you know that might be a a good person to to have a lot of conferences right now because he has some good information but um you know as we go forward I'm I'm really curious here at SEDC to hear what some of the economic developers are seeing in their communities, because there's there's such a wide range of folks that attend this event from a lot of different states. And so, you know, there's going to be a lot of different perspectives to learn from uh, what they're seeing in, in their communities. So I'm, I'm excited to see what that looks like uh, as I go forward here. Well, look, I, well, I, 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 was, I was I'm sorry to interrupt, but I was going to say that conversely this week, I, I will be at uh, the Mid-America Economic Development Council, uh, Council's uh, Best Practices Conference over in Kansas City. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the barbecue, I should say. But uh, um, you know, we'll, we'll be we'll be doing the same thing, listening to folks from uh, Nebraska and the Dakotas and Kansas and Illinois and Indiana and Missouri that are at this event, and and uh, uh, learning what what they're seeing and 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 what their expectations are for for the coming future. But um, albeit. Uh, I am very optimistic on on uh, business in North America, and, and uh, we're betting our livelihood on on the success of it. So, um, I, I think if if you keep um, a positive attitude and you don't allow those uh, negative influences to cloudy up your day, um, you can still be successful at it. Unfortunately, a lot of folks don't remember that this uh, economic stuff is cyclical. Um, we just happen to have gone through a very long period of time where we haven't had uh, a, a correction or a change in, in the cycle, but you get through it and, and you keep working. Well, I'm, speaking of Mancy, I saw I ran into Pete Fullerton last night. So 
I'm sure you know Pete. If you uh, if you see him, make him take you. There's a restaurant he took me to one time in Kansas City that had some the best burnt ends I've ever had in my life, and I've been I've been jonesing for him ever since. I told him I told him I was saw a recipe for poor man's burnt ends using some sausage or something to make. Them, so. Oh, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, that and a glass of sweet tea and and all's right with the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I, I hope you have a great week at, at Madsey and uh, uh, Chad Chancellor, uh, our owner, will be there. So I hope you all get a chance to connect and chat some too. And uh, I appreciate you joining me on the podcast. I always like to give our guests uh, sort of a final say. If there's something else you think the the listeners of our podcast need to know about or hear, feel free to to throw that out there or making sure folks know how to get in touch with you, e- any of those things. Well, um, I'd just like to say I've, I've been a listener uh, and follower of your organization for quite some time, seeing the things that you guys are doing, and, and uh, you guys do a fantastic job. And I'm just absolutely thrilled that you and I had a chance to sit and visit uh, at Live Exchange a couple of weeks ago and and uh, that you, you, you thought enough of me to want me to be on your podcast. So uh, my wife has told me I have to go out the garage door because that's the only place that's big enough to get my head out <laughs> outside. <laughs> But uh, no, I, I just, uh, again, thank you for the work that you guys do to, to help promote our industry and, and to uh, help the organizations that are looking for uh, the next economic developer uh, find the next place to call home and do what we do, which is really improve the economic opportunity for, for everyone in the community. And there's nothing better than when you're uh, successful in helping someone find that employment that, that uh, helps them sustain their family. Well, I, I certainly appreciate the comments on Next Move Group, and you know, I think uh, I think it shows that you know all of us have a deep passion for economic development, for communities being successful, and, and at the end of the day, for families being able to have opportunities to take care of themselves. And that's that's why I think anybody who's in that in this industry uh, is doing it. And um, and and nothing against everyone else at Live Exchange, but I have told multiple people. My absolute favorite conversation of the entire week I was there uh, was getting to sit down with you and <laughs> getting, to, getting to know each other. So I hope maybe we get to work together on some stuff in the future. And uh, I wish you the best. Safe travels this week as you head to Kansas City for Madsey. And uh, and hopefully sometime later this year, we'll be together again at another conference, David. I do look forward to it. Thank you for the time. Thank you. We'll see you all next week on the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast.